flags are everywhere, but some are better than others. On this monthly podcast, we analyze the history, the design, and the cultural significance of different flags from all over the world. Thanks for tuning in. This episode, we will be exploring the design, history, and cultural significance of the flag of Norway. I'm John Meredith, and this is Flag Theory. Back, dear listeners, to another exciting episode of Flag Theory. Today, we are embarking on a fascinating journey through the history, the design, and the cultural significance of the Norwegian flag. Join us as we unveil a captivating story behind one of the most recognizable flags in the world Norway. A land of stunning fjords, breathtaking landscapes, and a rich cultural heritage. It boasts a flag that proudly reflects its history and unity. We will start out this episode with a quick review of the flag design guidelines, which will be followed by a history segment and then the highly anticipated interview with the iconic Jorgen Berg, another dear friend of mine who I had the pleasure of meeting during my time in Italy for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. On to the flag design guidelines. Rule number one. Keep it simple. The flag should be so simple that a child can draw it from memory. So the flag of Norway is beautifully simple. It consists of a red background and with an almost double white and blue off-centered Nordic cross, easily recognizable and memorable. Number two, use meaningful symbolism. The flag's images, colors, or patterns should relate to what it symbolizes. While we will dive into the natural symbolism of the colors of the flag at the end of the episode, we can expound on the significance of red and blue, which explicitly refers to the colors of the flag of both Denmark and Sweden, who have been historically union partners of Norway. Rule number three, use two or three basic colors. So we got red, white, and blue, one, two, three. Rule number four, no lettering or seals. Check. And then rule number five, be distinct or be related. I truly believe that Norway does a fantastic job in this aspect with a beautiful take on the classic Nordic cross, which shows relatedness to both Denmark, Sweden, as well as Finland, Iceland, and all the other applicable Scandinavian countries. To understand the Norwegian flag, we must venture back in time to the days when this nation was part of larger unions. Let's dive into the pages of history and explore the Roman influence on Norway for a second. While Norway was never officially a part of the Roman Empire, it was not immune to Roman reach. The Romans extended this influence in trade networks into the northern reaches of Europe, including Norway. The Roman Empire, at the height of its power, included parts of present-day England, Germany, and the Low Countries, which were in proximity to Norway. As the Roman legions and merchants expanded their presence across Europe, they established trade connections even in regions as far-flung as Scandinavia. The Roman influence on Norway, though indirect, included cultural exchanges, the adoption of Latin script for runic inscriptions, and the introduction of Roman goods, Roman coins, ceramics, and other artifacts that have been discovered in archaeological sites across Norway, evidence of this trade connection that spanned over 2,000 years ago. Though this influence wasn't a case of direct control, but rather a testament to the reach and impact of one of history's greatest empires. Norway's early history was marked by the interplay of Viking raids, migrations, and regional chieftains. 
Over time, this influence contributed to the cultural tapestry that would shape the Norwegian nation. Fast forward to the late medieval era, Norway found itself in a union with Denmark, lasting for several centuries. During this period, the Danish flag, the Danenbrog, was a unifying symbol. However, it wasn't until the 19th century that Norway's quest for independence began to take shape. As Norway's national identity gained momentum, the need for a distinctive flag became apparent. In the year 1821, the Norwegian merchant and statesman, Frederick Meltzer, along with others, proposed a simple and striking design, a red field with a blue cross. This design was inspired by the flag of Denmark and symbolized Norway's historical ties to its neighbor. The Norwegian flag was officially adopted on July 17, 1821, and it immediately struck a chord with the Norwegian people. The colors red, white, and blue represent the nation's spirit and its close connection to the sea, snow-capped mountains, and deep blue fjords. The cross on the Norwegian flag holds deep symbolism rooted in the country's history. The red background represents the passion, the strength, and the determination of the Norwegian people. The white cross, which carries a strong Christian symbolism, reflects the nation's religious heritage. It's a symbol of unity, community, and togetherness. In 1905, Norway finally gained independence from its union with Sweden, and its flag became a true emblem of sovereignty and national pride. The royal government's recognition of the flag further solidified its status as the national symbol of Norway. In the modern era, the Norwegian flag is not just a piece of cloth, but rather it's a reflection of the country's identity and unity. It flies high on Constitution Day, during sports events, and at international gatherings, proudly representing Norway's rich culture and history. So we can go ahead and get started by welcoming our special guest and beloved friend, Jorgen Berg. My guy. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. So where are you living right now in Norway? Uh, so right now I'm living in Bergen. It's the second largest city in Norway. Oh yeah, so Bergen's on like the southwest coast, northern Europe. So capital is Oslo. And then like 500 kilometers just straight west is Bergen. This is pretty much where I'm born in. Raised. Well, not born. I was born in England, actually. My dad worked in England for a couple of years, so I was born there. But I lived there for a year, and then we moved back to Norway when I was like one. So I don't really remember that at all. But, but both my parents are from Norway. So Yeah, that's got to be why your English is so back. good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helps to have American companions, you know? Yeah. That's good yeah. practice, too. Yeah. I remember when you picked me up. Yeah. I think you told me that you were from Texas and your English, yeah, your English I was just so have. good. Your English was just so good. I'm like, yeah, like this guy's, this guy's from Texas. Nothing, nothing suspicious. Yeah. Well, sometimes it would just tell missionaries that just for fun to see what they would say. Yeah. No, but it's good. I mean, in Norway, we learned to speak English young though. As a, as a Norwegian, how does the, the flag of Norway resonate with you personally what kind of emotions and memories does it evoke maybe especially with your experience serving in the in the military um that's a good question i mean i love the norwegian flag i think norwegians in general are pretty patriotic and it's not like it's not the biggest country we're like five million norwegians i think even though a lot of people try to claim they're norwegian from some norwegian heritage and stuff but it's like whenever you see the norwegian flag especially when you're out traveling abroad 
you kind of look for it and then you see it and it's like okay there's there's my there's my flag right there there's norway so i don't know you're just happy to see the flag like it brings back good memories like for instance the constitution day 17th of may is huge for like the norwegian flag and i think that's some of the things i think about it's like you just see it everywhere the streets are just like colored red white and blue you just see it everywhere people always have like little flags they're holding and waving like you get like a like a flag pin with like the colors like on your suit if you're ever in norway try to come for 17th of may because it goes crazy people are dressed up in like the national dress it's called a bunad but it's quite often like red white and blue as well and so when you see it like it brings back good memories and i mean in the military i learned a lot more about the flag than i knew before i mean obviously a flag is a symbol that can represent a lot of things it was good to be in the military and kind of learn more about it, especially like with respect to the flag. But we can talk later on, like, you know, how you fold the flag or how you treat it, especially like if we were on duty. Because I was in the King's Guard in Oslo, capital city, and at least half of our job or responsibility is to be on guard outside the King's Castle or like the King's residency. And so when we were there, when we were the guards, we would have to change into the guards and stuff like a daily routine. But it was also... Like at the residence where the king lives and where his family lives, we would be in charge of taking the flag up and down every day. So like sunrise, we get the flag, we go out, we like we walk. It's like a whole like maneuver kind of thing. The way we walk, the way we act, getting the flag up and then sunset right before you go out and you take it down again. I don't know. When I see it now, I think a lot about those memories. You know, it's one thing you see it once a year on like the Constitution Day or, you know, when it's someone's birthday and the neighbor has it up or something like that, like for some special day or it's the king's birthday. But now a lot of the times I think about like those military experiences and how it was our job to get the flag up and down, like on a daily basis outside the king's house. So that's kind of cool. The military definitely uh, changed my perspective on the meaning of the flag and the importance of the flag in a sense. So, yeah. That's awesome. And and yeah, I remember reading a little bit. So in a, for the American flag, I guess in the flag code, the way how you treat it is at the end when you're, when you're going to store it after it's been flown, you, you like fold it up a couple of times and then you, you fold it in triangles. Do you want to describe a little bit how, how it's different a little bit in Norway? We have different types of flags. It's not just like a normal rectangle, but it's like a celebration flag with like three tips to it and kind of bigger. Um, but the way it would be folded was like you would take the three tips of the flag and you're trying to kind of get a hold of those. And then you would kind of roll those together and then you'd kind of make it into like a rectangle. So it's easier to fold it. So you'd like, you just fold it in half once or twice. And then what you do is instead of like just rolling it straight away, you would kind of like flip it back and forth in a sense. So it kind of makes like, I don't know, it looks very nice. It's like kind of like layers. Kind of like an accordion? Yeah, kind of like, oh, yeah, like an accordion, but kind of like layers. And that way it kind of like, it's better maintained and you show more respect. It's not just like rolled together, kind of like into a ball, but it like, it looks really nice from like the side when you're holding it and you can kind of see the layers of the flag, like before you roll it. Did it take a long time? It would take a lot of time. Like I remember one time we were outside and it was winter. I think it was like negative 11 degrees Celsius and it was blowing real bad. And they decided that this Friday in particular, we were going to practice 
folding of flags. And I mean, we'd never done it before. We got like a quick theory lesson in the classroom and they told us, okay, this is how you do it. This is how you enter the flag area where the flagpole is. This is how you take it down. This is how you tie the knot around the flagpole. So it's tight and secure. And this is how you fold it. So let's go out and try. And we were all like, no, <laughs> it's like negative 10 degrees Celsius and it's blowing. We're not going to be able to do that. But I just remember the first time we did it, it was just like a mess. Flags were just everywhere. They were like hit the ground, which is a big no-no. Yeah. But like over time, we kind of managed to, to fold them into, you know, nice flags. Oh, okay. Who did it best? We tested one time to see who like folded them nicer and they were like picked out. Like they picked a team of 10 soldiers and they were always in charge of getting a flags as the flag team because they knew how to pick them up and down and fold them nicely compared to everyone else. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Were you, were you on the flag team? Uh, I was actually commander. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. So the way, I feel like it'd be easier to like show a video, but so we're 10 people kind of walking in and on military base, we had five flagpoles lined up. So it was five teams of two, so two per flagpole. And then one, they would give the commands. And you would walk in a very like formal way where the first one would be in charge of the rope going down from the flagpole. And the second one would be in charge of holding the flag. So I was actually picked out to be the commander. I don't know, because of voice. And so they would line up kind of like just in a long line of, you know, 10 in a row. And then I would be, let's say, four feet to the right of them, walking at the same time, but giving the commands of when to stop. I would all stop them when they all lined up into the flagpoles. And then I would say, pull, plus, and that would be like the signal for them to turn and line up by the flagpoles. And then I would wait for them to like loosen the rope. And then this was also super important was that it was timed. So for instance, if sunrise was, let's say, I don't know, 7.55, the flag wouldn't go up before that. So I would have my watch and then look at everyone kind of lined up. And then I would say, okay, now's the time. And then right as it hit 55, I would say, hi, plug. And then you have 16 seconds. Or was it 21? It was 21 to get it up and 16 to get it down. And I would look at my watch as I was giving the command for them to take it up. And then they all had to do it up by like 16 seconds. And then they would continue with like tying the rope and everything. And the same when we took it down. I would wait. Okay, it goes down at uh, 6.45 p.m. So we're all lined up at 6.40, but we can't take it down until 6.45. So we're standing there for five minutes waiting. And then, okay, 6.45 comes around. See, plug, and then simultaneously, the flag team would lower the flags, and they had 20 seconds to take it down and then roll it in. And then they would have as much time as they needed to fold it after that, because, I mean, that takes forever, so you can't really time that. Oh, okay. What was your favorite part of the King's Guard? Okay. So the coolest thing that we did was in May, we had the Italian government visit Oslo. And seeing we were in the King's Guard, we were in charge of like the huge parade. And so the King's Guard is all lined up in our uniforms in front of the castle. And there are like 20 flagpoles that lead up to the King's Castle. And half of us had Italian flags, and half of us had Norwegian flags. And simultaneously, we raised like 40 flags. 
20 Norwegian, 20 Italian. And it was sick. We would all walk in in our like formal, super synchronized walk-in with our flags. We'd line up by the flagpole and then we'd wait for the signal, which was like a whistle. Because we were a lot of people and we were all spread out, so it was hard to hear. So the command was just a whistle. And the whistle goes off and then you just see 80 soldiers from the King's Guard just lined up and we're all raising flags in front of the castle. And it's all up in 16 seconds. So that was pretty dope. Being in the King's Guard was kind of tedious at times because we'd be in a lot of parades and we'd be standing still in these terrible uniforms that would just itch and be super warm. Uh, but this was actually one of the cool things because we were like in the middle of Oslo, tons of people. I think it was Giorgia Meloni, the Italian prime minister. She drove up in a limo on like this main street and it was just covered in Italian and Norwegian flags all the way up. So that was sick. I remember that one day when we did that, we got super early. We caught the bus from the base, drove down to the city center with our flags, got out on the perfect time, lined up on the perfect time. We stood there for a couple minutes waiting, like the exact signal to go off. It was pretty early. Sunrise that day, I think it was around 6.30 or something. It was before 7, I remember. So I think we were up by like 5-ish and left base at like 5.45. To be down in Oslo, ready to raise the flag at 6.30. And like the whistle would go and all the flags would go up and we would walk out. And then we came back later that same night to take them all down because they can't stay overnight. So we'd come back late because Norway in the summer, the sun goes down super late. It's known to be super bright. I think sunset that day was like 10.30-ish. So we were back there at 10.30 that night, lowered them all and left. And it was sick. Well, that's a that's a really cool story with the um, with kind of just like the emotions that you feel when when all the flags go up. Flags have been used in for like in wartime and just like identification for that kind of stuff like forever. Yeah. And so, I'm sure that there have been soldiers who have who have felt like those those kind of same things that by what you were saying. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's done in a different way. You know, we're not out in war, but it's still, mm-hmm. it's still yeah. the same symbol. Yeah. You know, when you look at movies, at least, and you see fallen soldiers, you see the American flag covering the casket or something like that. I think that's a great symbol that flags mean so much more. It's where you're from. You're fighting for something greater than yourself. Yeah, exactly. It was cool. And I'm sure for the Italian government, when they come, they're in Oslo in a foreign country and they're just driving up and they see their own flag. You know, I'm sure that wakes emotion for them, too. At least for us, we kind of took it, probably took it a little bit for granted. It was our job to be there and do it. But I know a lot of my buddies would rather do something else or have the day off. Um, But yeah, you know, we were chosen to be a part of the flag team. It was just a cool experience. That's awesome. It for sure brings a sense of belonging. Oh, yeah, for sure. Seeing your own flag in a different place. And thinking of your life a little bit before your military service, do you have any memories of the Norwegian flag from when you were younger? Yeah. So I remember when I was younger, there was a terrorist attack in Oslo, which is terrible. But I think sometimes events like that kind of brings out the patriotism and kind of the national pride where like all Norwegians kind of stood together. And I remember, even though I was like 10 years old, I remember seeing pictures of like downtown Bergen and Oslo, and it's just a field 
of flowers and Norwegian flags. And I think that's that's profound. I mean, like in times of crisis or like sorrow, people kind of go back to kind of that national pride and patriotism of standing together and supporting one another. And I think flowers obviously is a great symbol, but the flag is up there as well, kind of like a symbol of, you know, it kind of means more. So that's, you know, some of the memories I have. But then again, a lot of them are like from bigger markings of, of events or happenings. So you do see it from time to time, just like on a daily basis. Uh, but I think we could definitely be, there's definitely potential in like, I don't know, recognizing it and appreciating it more than we do. Maybe that's just for me or just the Aboriginal region, but. Yeah, of course. And I'm sure it varies person to person and kind of just that personal history as well. And it's, it's interesting because there's, um, there's kind of, um, why, well, I don't know if you call it like an evolution or like how the Norwegian flag has changed. Kind of going back to like Norwegian history, Norway was under Danish and Swedish rule. And so they were kind of tossed back and forth. So there's some interesting kind of facts going back to that and kind of what the Norwegian flag used to look like and how it was, you know, kind of just like the Swedish flag with the Norwegian flag was just a small symbol in the corner. It was called like the Union flag between Norway and Sweden. And then like later on, there's a flag where the upper left corner is like a mix between the Swedish and the Norwegian flag. Yeah, we we wrote our own like Declaration of Independence in like 1814. And I think in 1821, if I'm not wrong, was like when the Norwegian flag was kind of made without any Swedish or Danish influence. I mean, obviously with the same colors, but it was like we had our own flag. It wasn't just the Swedish flag and the Norwegian flag mixed together. It was actually our own flag. So, Yeah, and that kind of represents a, a different people. It's yeah. It kind of reminds me of when I talked with Kyle talking about Wales, how Wales, kind of like the history with Wales, is it kind of does. It has strong influences from you know, England from the United Kingdom. But yeah. the the fact that it has its own flag is like a great sense of of pride for for the for those people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm I'm yeah. looking at a timeline right now of the of kind of the the flags and I'm I'm following along exactly with what you were saying with how it had the the Swedish blue and yellow and then in the the upper left corner it switches and then it switches back and Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of changes, but I do love this flag, though. I mean, obviously, that's the flag I've grown up with. That's the flag I've seen, and, you know, that's the flag I've come to love. It all has all the great colors, red, white, and blue, just like the American flag, the British flag. We actually, we have, um, it's, I think it's like a child song, but it's like a song that's often sang, like, on the Constitution Day. Like, we do have, like, our national anthem, but this is a pretty known song as well. It's called which translates basically to Norway in red, white, and blue. And it's just, like, about the flag and how, like, Norway's kind of colored in these colors. And so it's, it's kind of interesting. It says, like, the blue from the glaciers, the red from the evening sun, and the white from the snow. I don't know if that's true. I don't know the main chorus, but the last four lines... Is like, yes, as white as the snow. And the red the evening sun has got. 
det blå har sin färg från brän. The blue got its colors from the glaciers. And then I think in the end, and that det är Norge i rött, vitt och blått. And that's Norway in red, white and blue. Thanks for listening this week to Flag Theory. Also, special thanks to the Gurren for recommending this episode. If you have any questions and comments or suggestions, you can email me, flagtheorypodcast at gmail.com, or Instagram message me at flagtheorypodcast. You can also find pictures of the flags we talk about in a guide format on the Instagram page too. The music, editing, sound design, technical production, valet services, and catering was done this week by yours truly, John Meredith. Don't forget that you can get a free audiobook and month subscription for free if you head over to audibletrial.com slash flagtheory. It's the easiest way to support the podcast. Flag Theory will be back on the 2nd of December, 2023.